You ready to study the word? All right, turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, it's toward the end of the New Testament, if you're rattling around in there. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5. Also, our, our worship guide, as Tanner uh, explained, if, if uh, we, we um, are kind of in the practice of taking notes here, if you have a pen and like to take notes, not anything that I would have to say, but what the Holy Spirit might say to you. We'll have the notes up on the screen, and you can certainly follow along, and as well as other scriptures. Uh, this will be my final message in this series, The Greater Work. And uh, this has been um, a teaching series on prayer that has accompanied and hopefully uh, supported and informed us in our month of fasting and prayer. February has been a month of fasting and prayer for us. Um, I've had a few mentioned to me how very timely uh, that the, the phases of our reading um, and fasting have been during the month. Uh, several of you have actually mentioned that to me. Have, have have you have others found that to be true in those three day segments as we focused in how that's been very timely with what the Lord's been doing uh, to us? Uh, in fact, someone uh, just last night and some others have mentioned that the prayer guide has been prophetic to the work of God, not only in our own lives, but I believe also in our church. And I hope and pray that you have seen the power of God uh, through prayer through this month and that you have seen him move. Now, I believe that God will honor and answer the prayers of his people. And I believe we've already seen him work and move mightily among us. And I believe that greater things are in store. Now, I want to end this series from a, with a message from Hebrews, the Hebrew scripture that we'll be meditating on together this week. So we have the 25th, 26th, 27th, I believe, and we're actually uh, the scripture that we'll be studying all together through the, the fasting and prayer guide is from this passage. So I've pulled the message from what we're going to be studying starting today um, through, uh, and through the 27th. The title of this message is... It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. Uh, and it, I'm not being cheeky there. It's actually a challenge from the writer of Hebrews to these Jewish believers in, in the book. Uh, here's what I like about Hebrews. I love it um, because it's like a preacher preaching a sermon series. I mean, it just starts when it starts at verse one, it goes all the way to the end. And it's like he touches on a, on a he goes through a series and, he, and it's delivered like a pastor preaching. And uh, so it's just fun to watch and fun to read and dig into what he's saying. The overall challenge in the book of Hebrews, the overall arching theme there is to grow the kingdom of believers up in the faith. That's really what Hebrews is about. We're growing these uh, Jewish believers up. The preacher, whomever he is, we really don't know. I believe it was Paul. That's my own personal opinion about that. But we really don't know. Okay, but what he's in do doing is he's encouraging these believers to grow toward the greater work through spiritual maturity. So I want us to see what we can pull out of scripture today from this. We're going to begin reading Hebrews uh, chapter 5, verse 11, go all the way through chapter 6, verse 3. It's not a lot there. I'm going to ask if you would stand in the honor of reading God's word. We're going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us through the word, and then we're going to dig in. Okay, so let's pray together. Holy Spirit, thank you for bringing us here today, and I know that you have a word for us. And so we attune our spiritual ears to hear and devour what you have to say. God, you have complete control today, and I empty myself, 
Lord, I pray that you take over right now and you fill me to overflowing to deliver a good hearty word from your word today to hungry people. God, would you fill us now? Anoint me and anoint this uh, congregation, Lord, to hear and understand what you have to say. Do what you want to in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain standing. Here we go. We're going to be reading Hebrews chapter 5. And uh, I should have turned there before I... Hebrews. Here we go. Chapter 5. I'm slacking. Starting in verse 11. Now here he's, he was talking about something here and he's like, verse 11, there's much more I'd like to say about this. Uh, what he was talking about, which I'll tell you in a minute. But it's difficult to explain especially since you are spiritually dull and you don't seem to listen. Now, how would you like it if I were to say that to you? I'd like to keep talking about this, but because you're spiritually dull and it doesn't sound like you're listening, I'm going to back off a little bit. That's what he's saying. He's a preacher. I'm telling you. And then he says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Chapter 6, verse 1. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again and again and again. Let us go on instead, of, instead and become more mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the, the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Surely we don't need to go there. You don't need further instructions about baptism on the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And so God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Isn't that a powerful word to the body? God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. Hebrew believers, they had two problems. They had two problems. It was mental and moral. They had a mental issue and a moral issue. They were behind in their development mentally and as well as in their duty as a believer. I would say it sounds very familiar to me in the territory when I look at the church in our culture, the big C church in our culture in America. And I believe that a day is coming and in fact is here today when it will no longer be acceptable for the church of God to be ignorant to the word of God, nor neglectful to the things of the spirit of God. See, it will no longer be acceptable to God for his church to abdicate her responsibility of advancing the kingdom of God by neglecting our moral duties of loving the lost and sharing the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, our postmodern Christian era has moved to a place where ignorant, casual Christianity will not cut it anymore. Seeker-sensitive Christianity isn't sustainable. And in these last days, and mark my words, we are in the last days. God is looking for warriors of faith that know him and who they are in him and that what they're called to do and are seeking to operate in the gifts that he's given and have decided to stop looking around to what everybody else is doing, put on the armor and get a sword in hand, grow up in the faith and get on the battlefield. And I've decided today, that is who I am. That is what I am going to do. 
I'm not playing games. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to move forward. And that's how I'm going to lead you. See, because time is short and there's too much at stake. And if through this time of fasting and prayer, the Holy Spirit has been saying to you, it's time to grow up a little bit. If he has, here's the first thing that I see in this passage. If you're taking notes, here's number one. We need to sharpen up. We need to sharpen up, he says. Hebrews 5.11 says, there is so much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain since, since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. That's so funny to me. You have been believers so long, and I underline that, believers so long, because that's important to understand. Now that you ought to, be te- you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you against the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. All right, now, the preacher, whoever he is, was trying to explain to these uh, Jewish believers uh, a theological, some theological depths. Okay? He was getting a little deep with them. He was talking about Christ as the priest in the order of Mel- Melchizedek. And uh, that's such, such, such interesting to study, and I encourage you to do that. Here's the problem. As he was trying to go into some theological depth with them, things that they ought to have been able to understand, uh, they couldn't hear what was being said. They could not understand. They couldn't take it in because they had become too spiritually dull. Um, you know, that's why I often say, because uh, I want you to understand, I often say, are you following me? Uh, you hear what it, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. I want you to be kind of on the edge of your seat. Uh, I don't want you to get dull on me, okay? I don't want you to get dull on me. Uh, if you look at the word dull that he uses there in the Greek, uh, it means literally lazy uh, or stubborn, just lazy or stubborn, and we can all get that way. So in other words, they had become kind of mule-headed. They, kinda, they were kind of stalled there. Yeah. And they refused, they were refusing, whether they said that they were refusing or not, they were refusing to grow spiritually. Verse 12 indicates to us, and, and we underlined it there, these people were not new converts. They were not. They had been believers, he said, long enough that they should be teaching others by now. Now, he's not necessarily meaning that they should be in the classroom teaching. He was saying that they should be in a place where they were able to share what was going on in their own life. That's where all of us will find our place as we grow in our relationship with the Lord. See, instead, they were getting hung up on the basic principles of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God's character and nature. They were just kind of churning around on the spin cycle. Not much more different than many churches today. The longer that I'm pastor, and I'm not talking about cultivate, but the longer that I'm pastor and I see the landscape of churches, I realize how much spiritual malnutrition exists within the body of Christ. See, these Jewish believers were spiritually malnourished, so their understanding of the basics of the faith were minimum. Problem is, is that these believers were under severe persecution for simply identifying with the person of Christ. It was a hostile environment for these believers. The whole book of Hebrews 
if you study it, is, is trying to walk them through strengthening them in their faith. It talks about rejection. It talks of the fear of rejection. It talks about alienation. It talks about loss and even imprisonment. It talks about all of those things along the journey of Hebrews, and it's constantly pointing to Jesus as the source of encouragement. The writer of Hebrews is brilliant at encouraging the body through extremely difficult circumstances. But see, when weak and malnourished, dull, lazy Christians see trouble and persecution of any sorts, we tend to fall like dominoes. Have you ever noticed that? And even though the truth was being taught to them, it was being taught, they couldn't hear what was being said. See, there, was, there wasn't anything wrong with their ears. It was what was wrong with their hearts. They had trouble grasping onto the hope in Christ because of the condition of their spiritual maturity. And they had little to no foundation to stand on. I want you to follow me. If the physical hearer of the word of God is not in a place where they can spiritually hear God and not wanting the word of God to point out things in you, if you don't want it to transform, if you're not hearing it in a way where you're looking for it to transform you, there's go it's going to turn into a problem in your prayer life. It's going to affect the greater work of prayer in your life. It will hinder you. Proverbs 28, 9 gives us a clue into that. He says, one who turns away his spiritual ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. That's a strong word. Here's the warning. Here's the warning. Spiritual dullness comes first. Then comes the desire to give up in the face of adversity. Dullness comes first. Then that comes second. Now, something interesting I want you to note. He says, since you are spiritually dull. Now, many translations say, says, since you have become spiritually dull. Or since you no longer try to understand. What does that indicate? Uh, we can just glean from that grammar. Um, grammar is important. The Holy Spirit, how he chooses the words. Uh, these people didn't start off that way. They didn't start off dull. They became that way. Do you notice that? They didn't start off that way. They became that way. It reminds me of the parable that Jesus was teaching in Matthew 13, 19. You don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen, but it reminds me of this parable. It says, the seed that fell on the footpath, by the way, that would be the gospel, remember, represents those who hear the message about the kingdom of God, but don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Verse 20 says, the seed on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receives it with joy. That's good. I receive it. I want it. I, let's go for it. Let's do it. That's the excitement part. They receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, since they don't grow deep in there, since they don't do that, they don't last long. They don't last long. And they fall away as soon as they have a problem or are persecuted for believing the word. 
That's where the believers, these believers were in Hebrews. That's where they found themselves. They were once enthusiastic about the gospel. They received it with joy. This was a new way for them. But then what? But then what was the question? But then what was the question that the Lord said to me? See, the story for many of us is, I got saved. Awesome. I have a home and glory. Awesome. The question is, but now what? Then what? Hebrews says they should have been teaching by now. They should have been advancing by now. They should have been sharing the gospel. They should be able to withstand hard times by now, but instead they were dull. They were unable to hear. Can I tell you something? If you're a believer, but you've become dull in your faith, it will only be a matter of time before your lack of spiritual maturity will be exposed. You won't want it to, but it will naturally be exposed. It's only a matter of time because the winds will blow, the storms will come, the persecution will come, hard times are coming, and it is then your spiritual sharpness or dullness will be exposed in the kingdom. Your prayers won't seem to work. Oh, we've been praying. You'll be gripped with fear, and guess what fear breeds all kinds of ungodliness? Fear breeds all kinds of ungodliness. And you'll find you'll be unable or unwilling to engage in the greater work. You'll find yourself unable or unwilling to engage in spiritual warfare. And the battle will be raging around you and you won't. You'll be unwilling or unable. You'll find yourself unable or unwilling to see the sin in your own life and repent for it. You'll find yourself unwilling or unable to have a heart for the lost and for the kingdom work. You'll find yourself unwilling or unable to extend grace and mercy and forgiveness all because you're spiritually dull and the Holy Spirit will be speaking, but will be too lazy, spiritually lazy, too mule-headed to engage. So we need to sharpen up. What do we do to sharpen up? I'm glad you asked. The first thing is confession. I'm dull, I'm spiritually lazy. Confession. The second thing is repentance. I'm choosing your way, God, not my way. I'm choosing your way, God, not my way. And then the third thing to sharpen up is action. Get in the word on your own. Seek the face of God with all your heart on your own. Surrender to the lordship of Christ on your own. See, don't just come here to get fed. Don't just come here to get fed. You can't depend on me to feed you one good meal a week. You can't do that. And to grind your axe head to help sharpen you up on one day a week, expecting to grow strong and ready to take the land. A sharpened believer is spending time in the word every day, multiple times a day. You're going to go to the word for practical everyday living advice. You'll be finding out for yourself, what does that mean? How does that apply to me? You're praying earnest and fervent prayers as we've talked about. And, and often, not just when you sit down for a meal. You're sharpening yourself when you, when you engage the lost and you share the gospel. When you come here to cultivate on Sundays, and you've been sharpened, and you've been sharpening all week long, guess what you'll come here primarily to do? Listen, you will receive 
Because where the presence of the Lord is, he is gracious to give to us. And all of us have received today through the presence of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord. We're receiving a word from the Lord. But when, when, your work, when the Lord's speaking to you all week long and he's doing a work in you all week long, you know why the people gather? You know why the church gathers? We come to give we come to give our worship. We come to give our praise. We come to serve. We come to use our gifts to help serve the body and to encourage one another to go out and be the church. So it, it turns then from what do I get when I come to cultivate to what do I get to give? What do I get to give? And see, this word today from me or the worship that we sing, the, the word that you get from your Bible study teacher, it should be that thing that just stokes the fire that's already ablaze in you. See, it encourages you to then go out, go forward. We can't be checking off the church box, expecting to go and withstand a culture that the culture that we live in because it will eat you alive. A mixed moral standard with one foot with Christ and another foot in the world is coming to an end. Sin is too rampant and this world is too hostile to the gospel. You won't survive. You've got to sharpen up. Here's number two. We need to move forward. We need to move forward. Look at Hebrews 5.13. He says, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skills to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Okay, now, before you graduate high school or college, you have to advance through all the other grades. So you start in kin pre-K, and then you have to learn everything you need to learn in pre-K, and then you go to kindergarten, and then you learn everything you know. And everybody, some people think that they learned everything that they need to know in life in kindergarten. <laughs> But then you, you have to advance through first grade, second grade, third. You have to advance through. You have to get through one. Uh, you have to do the work. You have to attend class. Uh, you have to take tests in order to get through and experience. You have to experience all the lessons in the test in one grade before you can graduate to a, move forward to the next grade, right? Hebrews 5.13 says, For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Now, in the original language... This phrase right here says, uh, uh, the phrase doesn't know how to do what is right. There's a word that they use, one word, uh, it's, it's aprios, aprios. Now, if you break that word up, it's a, which means not in that original language, not. And then prios is a test or trial, okay? So if you put those two words together, it means not tested, no test, or not successful when tested. Okay, here's what it's referring to. It's referring to people lacking the adequate skills, the knowledge, and hence they fail due to their lack of familiarity in practice. You following me? You following what I'm saying? Okay. In other words, if you're living on milk, you're inexperienced as a believer and your lack of experience as a believer is because of your lack of familiarity with your practice in the faith. You follow what I said? Have you ever been feeding a baby and you spoon feed them? And you're like, that's a good baby, good baby. Eat up. And you put the spoon and you shove it in their mouth and they, they eat. 
and then they just spit it all out. They were storing it in their cheeks and then they just spit it all out. Has that ever happened? Or you've been feeding them a bottle and you're like, oh, this is good. And then all of a sudden it just all comes up. <laughs> That's the picture. That's the picture. These believers were not devouring. They were not swallowing and digesting the word. See, you may be listening to the word. You may be taking notes even right now. Great. Hope you are. You may be even cognitively memorizing the word, but I'm going to tell you that's not enough. If you chew on your food, but you do not swallow it, you will starve. You will starve. But when you digest the word, I mean digest it, and you spend time in it, and you're doing the greater work in prayer with the word and fasting before God, guess what will happen as you begin to eat? Your appetite will begin to grow. Your appetite will require more. Solid food, verse 14 says, is for those who are mature, who through training have the skills to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Here's the deal. When you're in the word and you're growing in your relationship with the Lord and you're maturing and you're training to learn between what is of God and what is not of God, what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is false, the Holy Spirit will begin to change your perspective from an earthly, worldly, fleshly perspective to a heavenly, godly spiritual perspective. Your appetite will set for such things will begin to grow. You won't want the other things. You'll want the spiritual things. Your appetite will change. And when trials come and the winds blow and you're tested, that's when you must put God's word into practice. James 1.21 I think it'll be on the screen. It says, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word that God has planned in your heart, for it has the power to save your soul. But don't just listen to God's word, he says. Don't just listen. You must, and then in the original translation, it is actively and continually. You must actively and continually do what it says. Not every once in a while. Actively and continually. Otherwise, what does it say? You are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and then you walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully, and that word right there means careful scrutiny. If you really look carefully and you scrutinize, carefully scrutinize, into, if you look into the perfect law that sets you free, what's he talking about? The word of God. If you carefully scrutinize the word of God that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and you don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you're on the milk, your malnourishment will be a detriment to you. Your lack of experience and the spiritual skills to manage firm and stand firm in the face of adversity, you will, have, you will not have it. Now, these were, this is where these believers were in Hebrews. That's where they were. They were making what I call circumstance-driven decisions, not word-driven decisions. Because they had refused to grow and had become stagnant. 
spiritually, they weren't going anywhere. So here's the question. Where are you? Where are you with that? I know, I know no one here would say, you would not say out loud, most likely, that you refuse to grow. No one would say that. But do your actions speak otherwise? See, there must be a movement forward in the faith and movement forward in the word where we move from exposure to experience. Here at Cultivate, you get exposed. You get exposed. When you open the word, you get exposed. When you read a devotional book, you get exposed. When you listen to a podcast, I love to listen to podcasts and messages, you get exposed. But experience comes when you decide to dig into the word and you open and you receive and digest it and obey it and mark it, you apply it. You place the lens of the word on your everyday life. Everyday interactions, you're looking through the word. What does the word have to say about that? And you respond to it. When you walk to the grocery store, or walk to the grocery store, maybe you can. When you go to the grocery store, are you praying? Lord, do you have a divine appointment down the aisle of the grocery store aisle? When you go to church, when you got up this morning, was, was your thoughts on how can How do you want me to bless somebody else that's there today that might be hurting and wounded? How do you want me to love them? What do you want me to say? When I walk through the doors, what do you want my demeanor to be? Show me in your word. Teach me, Holy Spirit, what you want me to do. When you're at your family reunion or you're at Christmas and Thanksgiving and you got crazy Uncle Eddie there, there and they don't they don't think like you do. They don't have the same they don't have the same uh, political affiliation that you do. They they don't have the same they don't have the same walk. But you know you just gotta do you gotta do Thanksgiving with them. You know you gotta endure. Are you worried about yourself and what you have to endure? Are you asking the Lord, Lord, will you please show me something, Lord, that you would want to use me to speak to them to encourage them in their walk to to encourage them? How can I share your love with them? What is your word? Give me a word from your word on how to live my life in this situation at Thanksgiving. If you're not responding to the word, if it's not con- constantly informing your decisions or your actions, if, you're, if it's not constantly on your tongue, if you're not referring to it, I'm going to warn you, you're only exposing yourself, but you might not be experiencing it. And there's a difference. We need to move forward. We need to move forward. We need to put the work in to move forward. We need to taste and see that the Lord is good. Does it's no good to have the, the, the table spread in front of us and us sit down and not taste it that it's good? Time to move forward. Here's number three. It's time to graduate. Time to graduate. Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. Look at this. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead of and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of, repent, of repenting from evil 
repeating, yeah, repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in Christ. Verse two, you don't need further instructions about baptism, laying on the hands, resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And, all, and so God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. I could have reversed those titles of the deal, but we're going with it's time to graduate. Now, I want us to dig in for a second on the meaning of uh, a phrase here, or we'll misunderstand it and take it out of context. Um, verse two can kind of seem contradictory in scripture, kind of, kind of seem. And it says, you don't need further instructions about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. None of those seem wrong, do they? And the things that we need to talk, we need to talk and teach about them, right? He was like, that's not a bad list. Why are we, why would he saying be shy away from it? Now, until you dig in to the original language and you find out exactly what he's saying. If you look at that word baptism, he's not talking about what we talk about with baptism. Baptism, the word that he is, is baptizon, which means the dipping or washing ceremonially, ceremonially is what he's talking about here. So it's not talking about baptizo, which is what we talk about when we talk about immersion after salvation and following in that. We do need to teach about that. We need to teach about the importance of that. He's talking about something entirely different than under the new covenant of being baptized, uh, immersion in water. Okay? Uh, it's talking about what he's saying is, is this ritual in the Jewish ceremony custom that you do under the Levitical law. He's pointing that out to them. In fact, every one of those on the list that he was talking and referring to, he was referring to the truths that were rooted in their Jewish customs and the Levitical law practices. Now, here's the context. Here's what he's saying. You're like, what does that mean? Here's what I'm going to tell you. Listen carefully. You cannot hold on to the customs of the law and move forward in your faith with Christ alone. You following me? Here's the problem. These Jews were under such severe persecution that they did not want to abandon their religious ways and practices because they did not want to be viewed as zealot Christians, followers of Jesus. So they were trying to hold on to both religion and relationship. Now you getting it? So they could say, let's repent. That's good. Let's have faith. That's good. But then they would mix it with, now let's perform our religious ceremonial washings. They were trying to mix the two. Do you see the compromise? You see the compromise. Here's the principle. Religious legalism in other words, living by the law, the letter of the law, trying to live by the letter of the law will always hold you back in your walk with the Lord, and it will always demand a compromise because it is impossible for us to do. It's impossible for us to do. Do you know why religious legalism always leads to compromise? You want to know why? Because legalism is rooted in fear. Legalism is rooted in fear. If you're still on milk, if you're still in the same place that you were two years ago, one year ago, 
If you've not been graduating in your faith and maturing, I guarantee, I guarantee it will be because of fear and compromise. Fear and compromise. 1 John 4, 13 says this, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God, and we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love, not in the law. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Now, let me stop right there. This is the gospel message that he just said right there. That's the gospel message. This is the new covenant right there explained in a few sentences. This is the gospel that the Hebrew Jews were taught. They were being taught that and that they were zealous be about before. This is what they had accepted, the new covenant. And then, but then he pivots here in 1 John 4, 17. He pivots in this message. And as we live in God under the new covenant and our love grows more perfect, more mature, what we're talking about, so we will not be afraid, there's that word, on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. You may connect in the dots with me. Since love has no fear because perfect maturing love expels all fear, if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect maturing love. Isn't that good? Mm. Now I'm going to bring this full circle for you. The word perfect, as I tried to put out there, it translates into mature, mature. From And it, here's what it means. When you look it up in the concordance, that word, it means from going mature, from going through the necessary stages to reach the end goal. Okay, now remember we were talking about going through school and having to go through the grades to reach the end goal, graduation. Mm -hmm. That's what it means. And it, then it says in this definition of this word, by fulfilling the process of the spiritual journey, meaning that you're keeping moving, you keep growing. In other words, it's talking about graduating. See, this is exactly the process that the writer of Hebrews was talking to them that they had stopped doing. He's like, you stayed in kindergarten. You should, have be, you should be in sixth grade by now. You should be along the road. You should be in seventh grade or fifth grade. You should be out of kindergarten. You should be there. They had stopped the process of spiritually graduating from milk to meat, from one grade to another, to another, to another, because they were no longer living. They were no longer abiding. They were no longer uh, sold out to God. They had compromised because of fear. Fear. And they remain just kind of churning in this religion. Let's do, let's, do the, let's do what we know to do. Let's do the ceremonial things. Let's check off the boxes. Let's not get too crazy over here. We don't want to get too crazy because we don't want to get persecuted. Let's just kind of stay in the middle here. And guess what? When you stay in the middle, you go nowhere. You go nowhere. 
And why would we ever stay in the middle if it were not for fear? For fear. Now, Hebrews 6, 3 says, and so God willing, which that means if God permits, we will move forward to further understanding. Now, remember the principle, God has a part and we have a part. If you want to graduate, if you want to graduate, if you want to move from glory, from grace to grace and glory to glory to glory, if you want to move there, you have to make a decision to show up to class and to study and to take the tests and to participate. You've got to make the decision to do that and put forth the effort. You have to show discipline, the necessary discipline to do your part. But listen, the Holy Spirit is your teacher. And it's the teacher who enables your growth. It's the teacher who determines when you're ready to move to the next level. You see, you decide to grow, you decide to show up, you decide to exercise the disciplines, you decide to go to class, you decide to open the textbook and read it, you decide to get it, you decide to see how you put it to your life. It's the Holy Spirit's job, the teacher's job to teach you how to apply it and to tell you how to grow up in it and to tell you what it means. Hey, this is what it means when you read this. This is what it means when you read this. This is what it means when someone's walking in wounds. This is what that means. This is how you can respond. Here's the scripture that you can go with that. When you're walking, when you want healing for something, here's how you do that here's the scripture that goes it's him that does the teaching you just got to show up to class that's why you have to trust him that's why we have to grow in faith now let me ask you a question when you're taking a test is the teacher at the front of the class telling you the answers to the questions on the test do they do that yes or no no of course not the teacher gives you the information and the instructions before the test. But the teacher, if it's a good one, doesn't talk during the test. But when the test time is up and he, they say pencils down, then the teacher says, now let's grade your tests. And then they give you the answers so that you can see what you've learned. Now, I hate tests. I'm not a great test taker. But we have to go through them. And when we go through them, we pray and we ask sometimes the Lord, Lord, would you give me the answer to this test right now? Will you give me the answer to this problem right now as I'm going through it? And, and, and as we get to them, listen, so sometimes in his grace, he'll give you hints. He'll tell you basics. But we have to go through, we must experience and go through taking the test so that our understanding has a chance to grow. Scripture tells us that. And as it does, see, as we grow, then our, we're able to endure harder tests as we move through to the next grade. And then the next grade, we can take harder tests. We build on what he teaches us. We build on what we learn from going through tests. We build on it and our faith grows when the teacher is silent. 
See, that's a good teacher. And remember, if you're going through a trial and it feels like God is silent, it's not because he's a bad teacher. It's not because he doesn't love you. It's not because he doesn't care. He's wanting you to learn. And he's, he's taught you, he's told you, he's given you what you need to know to go through this test. Now it's time to put it to practice. That's where you are. There's a song by Marsha Henry, and it's called A Greater Yes. It's talking about prayer, a greater yes. The second verse of this song speaks to this illustration directly, and this is how I want to end. It says this. There comes a time when childlike faith must graduate to trust. Trials come and you're convinced you're on your own. But the teacher's often silent while you're in the hardest test. But he'll answer when it's time with what is best. And then the chorus goes like this, and it's not up there. I just want to tell you. It says, you never pray a prayer. But your father will not answer. He can't ignore his child's earnest request. But while you're waiting and believing for what you thought was best, trust God if he says no, you're still blessed because there must be a greater yes. That's the greater work. <laughs>